1: Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to RocketMoney.com/Wondery. That's RocketMoney.com/Wondery. RocketMoney.com/Wondery.
2: The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list.
3: You're listening to the CBS Sunday Morning Podcast on Play.it, brought to you by the new film Trumbo.
4: Good morning i'm charles osgood and this is sunday morning tis the season for carols and mistletoe and gifts under the tree it's also the season for the annual christmas challenge of making small talk at festive get-togethers let's talk is our sunday morning cover story reported by barry peterson
5: I had so much fun today looking for everything. So you The holiday season means plenty of parties. Cheers. Where making small talk can lead to merriment. I'm Tracy Gregory,
6: I'm Joe's wife.
5: Or a minefield.
6: Sometimes people at holiday parties will ask questions of the host or hostess. So uh, did, you, did you make this or was this store-bought?
5: Ouch.
6: Ouch is right.
5: Ahead on Sunday morning, some tips in the fine art of small talk. Techno Claus is the alter ego
4: of our friend David Pogue, and he has a bag full of suggestions for last-minute giving.
7: Just days before Christmas and all through the land, a scrambling for last-minute gifts is at hand. The advice is forthcoming. A round of applause for an annual visit from me, Techno Claus. You shoot, and you wait 60 seconds, and bam. Take heart, all ye shoppers so stressed and forlorn, for I'll be here later on this Sunday morning.
4: Mo Rocca tells the story behind Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Luke Burbank has a mouse's tale about his cameo in The Nutcracker. Martha Teichner tours a holiday light show. We'll tell you about a groundbreaking musical getting ready for Broadway and more
6: let's go back and forth and have a real conversation
4: next a a few words about small talk and then
8: i'm roasting a christmas goose
4: Tis the season for bobby flay based on the true story trumbo you're the highest paid
9: writer in hollywood in 1947, he was blacklisted for his beliefs.
10: Hollywood is just a haven for overpaid traitors.
9: So he rewrote the rules. We do the one thing everyone says we can't. We write. Trumbo is one of the year's must-see pictures. Brian Cranston Towers Are you prepared to go to prison? Helen Mirren is terrific.
2: Whisper a movie you've written in secret. Maybe I've even heard of it. Maybe you have.
9: Trumbo. Rated R. Under 17, not admitted without parent. Only in theaters this November. Everyone Thanksgiving.
4: At a loss for words at that holiday gathering? Let's talk. Our cover story is reported
5: by Barry Peterson.
0: Cheers, cheers. Cheers. They can
5: be a cause for merriment.
9: What are you guys doing for the holidays? Anything spectacular?
5: Or a minefield. I'm Barry.
1: I'm nervous now.
5: One thing for sure holiday parties mean you'll be making small talk a lot of it.
6: So I'm Tracy Gregory, I'm Joe wife.
5: And as we all know, there's a thin line between fun and faux pas. What questions do you not ask?
6: Well, let's start with this, where's your wife?
5: Why is that a bad question?
6: Well, what if she left him? What if she took all the money, took the house, took the kids?
5: Small talk is a big deal to Deborah Fine.
6: So where's your next trip, do you know?
5: The once shy child wrote the fine art of small talk. Her book is full of do's like check the guest roster beforehand to learn names, look for someone standing alone who might be glad to chat, and like a good boy scout, come prepared with questions. Like what?
6: Well, for instance, because this is a holiday party, I would be prepared to ask you, what are some of your favorite traditions this time of year? What was the best present you ever got, Barry, or what's the best one you've ever given?
5: And don'ts, like Don't do all the talking. Don't criticize. Don't get personal like asking about a promotion someone maybe didn't get. Or worse.
6: I mean, sometimes people at holiday parties will ask questions of the host or hostess. So uh, did you you make this or was this store-bought? Ouch. Ouch is right. And if you're going (laughs) to... No, it's true.
5: There are some places where small talk ought to come just naturally, like at the bar. So, Darren, what do you like about being a bartender? Chatting with people. Mm -hmm. Or someplace where not making small talk might seem kind of weird, like sitting in the barber chair. So, Ryan, what do you like to do to relax? I like to play basketball. Cool. It's questionable trying this in an elevator because if people don't want to talk, they can't get away. And there are other places where most of us actively avoid making small talk like on a city bus or a subway. We almost always choose isolation over conversation. Great shirt, uh, where did you get it? Back in work, or Or, like your
11: hat, or mm -hmm. what do you do for a living?
5: University of Chicago professor Nick Epple, who studies social cognition, wanted to know why.
11: So he started asking people about their commutes. Are you gonna get any time to have Fun there. They actually predicted being the happiest in the solitude condition, where they just kept to themselves, and they predicted being the least happy in the connection condition when they engaged in conversation with this person. Their expectations were precisely wrong, precisely backwards.
5: They were happier actually talking to a stranger.
11: They were happier engaging in conversation with a stranger. I thought that was great. He
5: found that our lonely morning commutes are missed feel-good opportunities based on a key
11: misconception about the other guy. As far as we can tell, the actual percentage of people who would be willing to talk to you is closer to 100%. 100%? It can't be 100% exactly, of course. We never had anybody in our connection condition send us back a questionnaire saying that they tried to engage in a conversation, but the person wouldn't talk to them.
5: (laughs) He was so moved by his findings, he gave up his
11: smartphone. You don't carry one of I these? I don't carry one of those, You don't no. read
5: your text every time nope. it beats? I carry a
11: stupid phone. I carry a phone that just makes calls. Why? It keeps me more connected to folks who are right next to me, and it encourages more conversation that I might not have otherwise. And the fact is, I don't miss a whole lot when I'm not on the, on the phone. <laughs>
6: we can, there we go. Ladies and gentlemen, Barry Peterson! Yeah.
11: Yeah. I love it. And when it comes to talk,
5: the women of the talk, Julie Chen, Sharon Osborne, Aisha Tyler... Sarah Gilbert and Cheryl Underwood are television's experts. Their talk show is about talking to guest after guest for millions of viewers.
6: Whether you're doing a television show or hosting a dinner party or meeting someone for drinks, you want to make the other person feel cared for. And if they feel cared for, they'll feel comfortable and they'll Mm -hmm. open up to you.
5: And the key to making people feel cared for? You guys talk about the art of conversation, but I wonder how much of the art of talking with people is the art of listening?
6: Everything, all of a hundred thousand percent, especially as talk show hosts. We all know at this table, the shorter our questions are, mm-hmm. the more we can make the guests sitting in that very chair shine, mm-hmm. the better we are at our jobs.
5: A job they say seems particularly the hard office office these office days. Table. The art of conversation is dead. You said that, why?
2: Because I, I truly think that it's dying. And I think that, especially with the younger generation, because everything is on their phones, everything mm-hmm. is a text or an email.
5: People say that you're killing the art of conversation because everything's like that. Are you? I would say, as a whole, maybe. Just because I have encountered people my age that don't like to talk. So Riley Dunn and her generation of cadets at the U.S. Air Force Academy are relearning what some fear is fast becoming a lost art.
2: What we've grown up in is email, text, not face-to-face conversations, and I think it is going to be a struggle for us and generations after us.
5: This formal dinner is actually a class. And along with learning which fork goes with which course, they are given cue cards To help conversations start what does it say
8: um as the person sitting to your right where they're from continue the conversation
5: with others at your table
1: these are absolutely necessary skills to be leaders
5: heather buckman is the academy's director of social decorum who finds the texting generation is surprisingly hungry to talk face to face they're
1: craving this knowledge because they don't get to
5: practice it on a regular basis in day-to-day life. And this time of year... We're
11: going to have a DJ, but we're going to have a fashion show.
5: When day-to-day life can include a holiday party... It's not about the topic. It's all about the approach.
6: Show a true interest. Let's go back and forth and have a real conversation. But it has to be real.
5: And so does your exit. The best strategy? Just be honest. Say, I need to meet a friend or... I need to get some food, or simply, it's been nice talking to you.
6: You don't have to meet everybody. Just get out of the corner for about five minutes of the buffet table and talk to somebody new.
0: This is what Christmas is about.
6: Conversation and kisses.
2: Woohoo!
0: <laughs> Mostly kisses.
2: Let's go get Jimmy. This is the dining room where Dickens would have hosted various guests over the Christmas period.
4: Next, in search of Ebenezer Scrooge.
9: Based on the true story, Trumbo, you're the highest paid writer in Hollywood. In 1947, he was blacklisted for his beliefs.
10: Hollywood is just a haven for overpaid traitors.
9: So he rewrote the rules. We do the one thing everyone says we can't. We write. Trumbo is one of the year's must-see pictures. Brian Cranston Towers be prepared to go to prison. Helen Mirren is terrific.
2: Whisper a movie you've written in secret. Maybe I've even heard of it. Maybe you have.
9: Trumbo. Rated R. Under 17, not admitted without parent. Only in theaters this November. Everywhere Thanksgiving.
4: This is of course the season for classic Christmas tales,
12: which is why so many readers say, what the dickens? Moraka takes us to London. This is the heartland of A Christmas Carol. This is where we start. This is where we have Scrooge's Counting House. It's based in the alleyways at the heart of the city of London. If you want to see
1: London through the eyes of Charles Dickens... You could have uh, gangs waiting in the alleyways. Tour guide you? Richard <laughs> Jones is your man.
12: It's a foggy Christmas Eve, and a lamps lamp's lighting up. You can imagine the people coming out of doors, and they're coughing, and they're wheezing, and they're rubbing their hands together, stamping their feet desperate to keep warm, and this is where it all begins. You're transporting me right now.
1: (laughs) And any talk of Dickens in December conjures only one thing, a Christmas carol.
12: No Christmas was complete without somebody in the family taking out a copy of a Christmas carol and reading it to the household.
1: A Christmas carol, published as a novella in 1843, tells the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, a miserly and miserable old businessman, who on Christmas Eve is haunted by three ghosts. The I'm not the man I was. Believe me, I'm not the man I was. Ultimately deciding to mend his ways and spread cheer all around him. I'm In an ending sweeter than a figgy pudding. But you already knew that. What you may not know is Dickens' personal connection to the story. Had Dickens himself been poor?
2: Dickens, in his childhood, had faced um, great hardship. His father was riddled with debt trouble.
1: Louisa Um, Price is the head curator of the Charles Dickens Museum.
2: And at one point, his father was thrown into jail for debt. And at that time, as a young boy, only 12 years old, he had to work in a blacking factory to make ends meet and to support his family.
1: Price says those early experiences influenced much of Dickens' work. With a Christmas carol, he wanted to address serious social ills that continued to plague the poor in Victorian England.
2: And he decided that he was going to write a political pamphlet. However, a few days later, he wrote to a friend and said, I'm not going to do the political pamphlet. I'm going to put out something at Christmas time, and that's going to have 20 times the force. So this is the drawing room.
1: The museum is in the London house, where Dickens, already established, once lived with his family. Did the family celebrate Christmas in this room?
2: Yes. So over the Christmas period, Dickens would have invited his extended family to come and celebrate the season here in this house.
1: The Dickens' own Yuletide traditions show up in the story and would influence the way readers celebrated Christmas.
2: There are records of various people in London who decided after reading A Christmas Carol that they were going to go out and buy a turkey and make sure that that was part of their Christmas meal. In the 172
1: years since it was first published, A Christmas Carol has never been out of print. It's been adapted into stage productions and into at least 50 movie and television versions. It may surprise you which one our experts think is the most faithful.
2: I think that you probably can't go wrong with um, A Muppets Christmas Carol.
1: I
12: think the Muppets one, if not the best version, it's certainly up there with the best versions because it gets the meaning.
2: Bless us all
10: who gather here The loving family I hold dear
12: Christmas is not about you, it's about other people. And I think the Muppets do get that, and it's such a warm version.
4: I will hold you close in a thankful
1: heart. For many it seems that the story of A Christmas Carol has become the meaning of Christmas.
12: It has, For, for many people, uh, Christmas Carol is an integral part of Christmas and has been since it was written in 1843. The, the interesting thing is, I often refer to it as being the, the second most famous Christmas story ever told.
1: The first being, well, you know.
12: It's almost like a Christmas present in its own right and it's Dickens' present to the world.
10: God bless us.
12: God bless us, everyone.
4: It is the season for The Nutcracker. The Nutcracker is our most beloved Christmas ballet. And you never know just who's going to be on stage. Here now, a Mouse's Tale
3: from Luke Burbank. For many of us, the holidays wouldn't be complete without the pirouette of a sugar plum fairy. The Nutcracker is the most popular ballet in America, hands down. And why do you think that is? It's that element of escape and humanity. I think people see themselves in it and they, they're wonderfully entertained. And I think actually in the world today, it's more and more of a rare escape to have an experience like that. Peter Bowl is artistic director at Seattle's Pacific Northwest Ballet. People don't want to lose that special moment in their lives and their families' lives. I'd been to countless Nutcrackers in Seattle over the years with my family, but this year was different. So this is obviously a, a hugely important part of the American ballet scene. Is it something that someone can learn in an afternoon? Well, only a very wise person can do it in an afternoon. So we're banking on that. I was given the role of a mouse for one night and one night only, a role normally played by this guy, real, actual dancer Ezra Thompson. Okay. Is there, does this mouse have a specific name? He's number two, or Ma- we could call him Cheddar. Take me into Cheddar's world. Like, what is your motivation typically when you're, when you're dancing as mouse number two? Uh,
13: mostly uh, to scare Clara and to fight the little toy soldiers.
3: Six, two, three, four, five, six, seven. The ballet company does have something of a tradition of allowing local celebrities minor walk on roles, but I quickly realized I was out of my league. He's a natural. There you go. (laughs) Here we go. My goal was simple don't ruin this beloved holiday tradition. This was like a rebirthing exercise I did in therapy once. There you go. In fact, the Nutcracker wasn't always so beloved. Its premiere in 1892 in St. Petersburg, Russia got terrible reviews. Well, I don't think people thought that it had this huge future. People felt that there wasn't enough dance in it, that Tchaikovsky did not adequate score, but that it wasn't a milestone ballet, which is ironic, because it is the milestone <laughs> ballet. It was almost showtime. So to calm my nerves, Here, gather around. I turned to a group of dancers with much more experience than I had. Give me your best mouse. <laughs> so it's like a lot of I whisper. Rehearsed. I rehearsed, but I wasn't paying attention.
10: Oh, snap. <laughs> You're in trouble.
3: Finally, it was time for my big moment. High five, my people. Do it. We got this. And then, in the twinkle of a Christmas tree light, it was all over, and I was backstage again. Well, that was the beginning and end of my ballet career, I think. Who knows if they'll ask me back next year. Some of my spins could have been a little better. But anyway, isn't the beauty of the holidays the fact that whether you're trimming a tree, wrapping a present, or dressing like a mouse in the Nutcracker, it doesn't have to be perfect to be something special.
4: He's making a list.
7: Okay, karaoke was fine in its day.
4: Clause is next.
7: Close it away.
2: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it.
4: Tis the season for a visit from Techno Claus, who you may recall bears a striking resemblance to our David Pogue of Yahoo Tech.
7: <laughs> Tis I, jolly Techno Claus. Yes, I am here. Just barely. Those chimneys get tighter each year. This year, once again, I shall offer advice on buying tech presents, all modest in price. These days, the music we love's on our phone. But man cannot dance to weak speakers alone. The audio Chromecast plugs into your clocks or any old speaker or ancient boombox. And makes it a wireless high five for your apps. Only 35 bucks. Get a couple, perhaps. Your schmancy new smartphone's a magic machine, at least till you drop it and shatter the screen. So wrap up your phone with a crash guard, a band that staves off disaster should your phone crash land. Whenever I do that, my heart skips a beat. But look it, it's fine. Even dropped from 10 feet. Now this time, the present's not this in my lap. See, I threw you a curve. The gift is the wrap. You get five dozen bags in a package, and hey, reuse them each year. You don't throw them away. You recollect Polaroid cameras, no doubt. You'd point and you'd shoot and the picture'd come out. Well, look at who's back with the digital cam. You shoot and you wait 60 seconds and bam, the pictures are charming. They're stickers as well and this card Saves your picks for your Mac or your Dell. You've heard of a selfie stick? Sort of a fad. It lets your phone capture yourself. Hey, not bad. But this one's got talent. It's long or it's short. And the handle's a tripod for added support. Okay, Harry. Away, it fixes your pitch and adds harmonies to. Feel free to
9: change settings. It's that's why
7: on YouTube you'll find every possible tune. Then
1: cancel your meetings.
4: The whole after.
7: So that's what I got for suggestions this year. I wish you long battery life and good cheer. And now, I must tend to some reindeer affairs. (sighs) You know what? Forget it. I'm taking the stairs.
4: Coming up... We're just wild about Harry. Folks were just wild about I'm Just Wild About Harry back when the Paul Whiteman Orchestra recorded it in 1922. Now, a revival of the musical that launched the song is Broadway-bound and we'll be following its progress every step of the way. Maurice Dubois will be our guide.
13: Curtain going up on something new that's something old.
6: Hey, here we come! Here we
5: come!
13: A Broadway show celebrating what it means to make it to the top. For months now, the cast of Shuffle Along has been hard at work, perfecting a show that was the talk of the town nearly a hundred years ago. On stage, a revolution in song and dance was This new finished. version, opening next year, is a reimagining of one of the earliest hit musical comedies starring, written, and directed by African Americans, Tony Award-winning director George C. Wolfe, And then history stepped in and said, thank you. And maybe we'll remember you, and maybe we won't." In fact, history did not remember Shuffle Along. But the legendary Josephine Baker launched her career with the 1921 show, which also featured a young baritone named Paul Robeson, and a score by the team of Ubie Blake and Noble Sissel, including hits like, I'm Just Wild About Harry was important for you to do this show, right? Yes, this is a part of
5: my history, and I didn't know it.
13: That's just one of the reasons six-time Tony winner Audra McDonald joined the cast, well before Wolf had even finished the script. Shuffle Along will be his 18th Broadway show, and he says, it doesn't get any easier. Musicals are hateful. Musicals are horrible, horrible things to work on because they're just hard. Particularly hard because Wolf is actually telling two stories. I
11: gotta fit all those words in that phrase.
13: There's the original plot about a less than honest mayoral election in a place called Jimtown, USA. And Wolf is also telling the behind the scenes story of the real life actors and writers whose lives changed because of the musical's success.
12: Swing along children, swing along the lane.
13: In the months of workshops and rehearsals gearing up for Shuffle Along's opening, Wolf and company have learned what works and what doesn't. Actor Brian Stokes Mitchell. I actually threw some tap shoes on a few months back just to see what would happen. And and my time was very awful, you know, but it came back after a while. Mitchell won a Tony Award in 2000 for Kiss Me Kate. as did castmate Billy Porter in 2013 for Kinky Boots. Porter says choreographer Savion Glover has added hurdles they haven't faced before. I learned how to tap traditionally, you know, I can say this, I learned how to tap from the white folks. I was at a ballet bar, it was very technical. Now it's like learning a whole nother language.
0: Listen to what I'm doing
13: lover who's considered the world's greatest tap dancer, makes it look easy. But Audrey McDonald says it's not.
5: I've not tap danced for over a decade.
13: I'm watching the rehearsals. I'm seeing energy, I'm seeing intensity. I'm also seeing certain actors trying to keep up with a certain dancer out front.
5: Absolutely, you're, I'm sure one of the actors you're seeing trying to keep up is me, you know, because Savion doesn't necessarily say, this step is a left flap ball change shuffle. He says, I do it, and then he goes, ga-da-da-da, ga-da-da-da, and it's just call and response with him. That's how he teaches.
8: Well,
13: Glover says he thinks the cast is up for the challenge.
8: I'll say, like, oh, I can simplify that for you. And they say, no, give me the, give me the harder one. I want to I wanna learn that. That makes me feel
13: great. Glover and Wolf go back a long way.
2: We should say who everybody is, cause we got some new folks. Hello, <laughs> save young Glover.
13: 23 years ago, Wolf directed a teenage Glover in his musical Jelly's Last Jam. And in 1996, Glover won a Tony for choreographing "Bringin' the Noise, Bringin' the Funk," another Wolf show. Now 42, Glover says he's not just older; he's wiser. In our early years of working together. I was there, I was present, but the need to want to learn more wasn't there versus this time I'm learning as we're working.
11: Yet again,
3: (laughs) I am right. (laughs) Record this moment
9: of so many
3: moments where I am right.
13: Despite the long days, hard work and high stakes, Wolf often takes time out to be a mentor and friend.
9: Never rush to fail.
13: Walk, walk. He wants his actors to connect with the characters they portray. Anything, anything you notice? They have secrets. Everybody in the cast,
1: they
3: have secrets. We all have secrets, having lived on the planet. And we know things about love and loss and our
13: parents and our children and our dogs and 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 what really matters and what doesn't matter and if you can create the correct environment everybody brings all of that so far it seems to be working shuffle along's journey to broadway is well underway official rehearsals begin next month
9: let's go one more time lovely
13: In 1921, Shuffle Along proved white audiences would line up for a black show. Nearly a century later, Billy Porter says the people who created the musical have given him a role and then some. It is such an honor and such a gift to be able to actually exist inside of your dreams.
11: Sons and daughters of the long night. This
13: is actually the dream. I am living the dream. It's extraordinary. It really is. Good,
11: good, good. Clearer, clearer, cleaner, clearer, cleaner, clearer, cleaner, cleaner, better. Good.
7: Coming up. He wasn't gonna give up until I was walking again. To walk again. To walk again. Steve Hartman on the
4: real meaning of
9: Christmas. Based on the true story, Trumbo. You're the highest paid writer in Hollywood. In 1947, he was blacklisted for his beliefs.
10: Hollywood is just a haven for overpaid traitors.
9: So he rewrote the rules. We do the one thing everyone says we can't. We write. Trumbo is one of the year's must-see pictures. Brian Cranston Towers. Are you prepared to go to prison? Helen Mirren is terrific.
2: Whisper a movie you've written in secret. Maybe I've even heard of it. Maybe you have.
9: Trumbo, rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent. Only in
4: theaters this November, everywhere Thanksgiving. Gift-giving is an important part of the holidays, and it's hard to imagine a more selfless gift
0: than the one that Steve Hartman has found. By any logical standard, last spring, 28-year-old Eugene Yoon made the craziest decision of his life. I remember kind of just like looking up at this guy and being like, God, are you sure about this? Because I'm pretty happy right now. Did it feel like that, like a calling? It felt like a calling, but I tried to reject it for about two months because it was just too outlandish. What Eugene felt called to do was one really big random act of kindness. He didn't know who he was supposed to help or how. All he knew was that he had to help someone, and it had to be life-altering. And that's when a video came across his Facebook page. It was a video of a guy he never met named Arthur Renowitzki, a paraplegic in a t-shirt with bold letters of bold defiance. After being mugged, shot, and paralyzed eight years ago, Arthur vowed that he would walk again someday. And when Eugene heard about that, he called Arthur immediately. He wasn't gonna give up until I was walking again. To walk again? To walk again. And you don't have a medical degree? I have a film degree. (laughs) Which makes you wonder then, how were you gonna make him walk again? (laughs) This is the part I I had no idea at the time. Eventually though, he learned about this exoskeleton device that can help some people walk again. Unfortunately, it costs about $80,000. So, to pay for it, Eugene quit his job at a research company in Northern California to hike from the California-Mexico border to Canada. Along the way, he posted videos of the adventure and asked people to donate on social media until roundabout mid-Washington State when Eugene learned that he had reached his fundraising goal. And again, all this to help a total stranger.
7: Yes!
0: To quit his job,
7: to go into debt from doing this, to help me get back on my feet. You don't meet people like that every day.
0: Eugene Yoon felt called to make a difference in someone's life. But when he heeded that call, he had no idea what a difference he'd make. Until proof rounded the corner. This is the first time Eugene got to see Arthur walk.
9: Oh my God, I'm so
0: happy for you. Thank you, brother. I call him my brother now. We are brothers. I'm just very thankful to have a friend like him. I wouldn't be here, man, if it wasn't for you. Makes you wonder, that little voice Eugene heard, was that ever about helping someone with a hardship? Or was it about helping two someones with a friendship?
13: Ahead. I love when it turns blue.
0: Keeping it
4: light. is the season to lighten up. Martha Teichner has found the perfect spot to do that.
10: What if you could hug a color, let go, and watch it fly away, dancing overhead through what looked like glowing jello cubes? What if each letting go were a wish? You pick a color to wish on, and up it goes! <laughs> no. Oh, it's coming! And oh, go now! Uh. What if is the question designer David Rockwell asks whenever he undertakes a project, whether it's the JetBlue terminal at New York's JFK Airport, or a bunch of hit Broadway shows. And now a new holiday extravaganza intended to bring joy and light to a lower Manhattan location not so long ago, touched by darkness and sorrow.
3: I think it's a kind of hopeful, wonderful, optimistic, unexpected chance for people to be amazed.
10: I like the colors. It's like they're happy colors.
8: I love when it turns blue. It's
10: amazing, and it's beautiful, and it, I don't know, it's peaceful. I like it. ROCKWELL'S MAGIC LIGHTS FILL THE WINTER GARDEN, A HUGE VAULTED SPACE IN A DEVELOPMENT CALLED BROOKFIELD PLACE, DIRECTLY ACROSS THE STREET FROM THE NEW 104-STORY WORLD TRADE CENTER TOWER, ITS LIGHTS TWINKLING OUT AT LAST FROM THE PLACE WHERE THE TWIN TOWERS STOOD UNTIL 9-11.
3: I WAS AT THE GYM WORKING OUT ON A TREADMILL AND SAW THE FIRST PLANE HIT. And I took off running for home, made sure the family was okay. In
10: the rebuilding of downtown New York around the site of the World Trade Center, uh, did you feel a need for light? I suppose I did. He recalled the tribute in light, those two symbolic ghost beams. Rockwell thought about other displays of light he had seen this festival in Thailand, and those candles in paper bags called Luminaria, which gave the project its name, Luminaries.
3: Seeing how light would create emotion really fascinated me.
10: The intention is that Luminaries will return to Brookfield Place annually and become an important permanent addition to New York City's Holiday Dazzle. A destination where nobody ever says, look, but don't touch.
1: Ready?
13: One, two, you like it? Yeah. Uh. It went.
4: Next, a piano like none other.
2: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it.
4: From Vladimir Horowitz to Harry Connick Jr., most of the world's best-known pianists wouldn't dream of playing anything but a Steinway. This year, Steinway and Sons, founded in 1853, unveiled their 600,000th piano. It's for sale, if you're interested, and happen to have a couple of million dollars on hand. And the company isn't just playing the same old tune. They recently rolled out a player piano. Steinway artist and concert pianist Jenny Lynn gave us a demonstration. The piano is controlled by the touch of an app. It's a 21st century update of a piano they've been making here at this New York City factory since 1871. The piano frames are still glued by hand and shaped by original 19th-century molds. The instruments are hand-carved and hand-strung, much as they were when Steinway and Sons first opened its doors. A carpenter by trade and self-taught piano maker, Heinrich Engelhardt Steinweg moved his family from Germany to New York in 1850. Changing the family name to the more English-sounding Steinway, he and his three sons started producing hundreds of pianos. The company hit a high note in 1866 when it opened a European-style concert hall in Manhattan which quickly became a cultural center and a place to showcase Steinway Pianos. After winning accolades all over the world for their craftsmanship and engineering, everyone, it seemed, wanted to get his hands on a Steinway. This American-made product was among the first to make an impact on the old world elite. And in 1880, Steinway & Sons opened a factory in Hamburg, Germany which still is operational today. Steinway Hall closed in 1891, only to reopen in a new location in 1925, this time as a showroom and meeting place. It was here that Sergei Rachmaninoff gave Vladimir Horowitz some pointers on how to play his great third concerto. And now... Steinway is heading into the 21st century with a brand new showroom opening this winter. The latest chapter for this storied American instrument. And we'll put this newest Steinway to the test when we come back. I'll be home for Christmas. You can plan on me Please have snow And mistletoe And presents on the tree Christmas Eve will find me I'll be home for Christmas, if only in my dreams, if only in my dreams.
8: preheated the oven to perfect goose roasting temperature.
4: Is Chef Bobby Flay's goose cooked?
8: Here's hoping. Find out next.
2: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it.
4: This Christmas, our friend Chef Bobby Flay admits that he may have bitten off a bit more than he could chew.
8: What to cook for Christmas dinner has always been a quandary for me. It's a handful of weeks after the most perfect culinary holiday we celebrate, Thanksgiving. But that was weeks ago, and now it's time to get your Christmas dinner on. Unlike Thanksgiving, my Christmas menu seems to change every year or so. There's my dad's favorite, rack of lamb, a perfectly good choice. But my mom thinks lamb is too gamey. Sorry, Dad. One of my favorites is a prime rib of beef. Season it with lots of salt and pepper, some fresh cloves of garlic, kick it into the oven, and a few hours later, dinner is served. But this year, I had an epiphany. I'm going old school. I'm gonna fire up a Christmas tradition that I've always passed over. I'm taking inspiration from Charles Dickens.
7: You can go to the baker's now. And get the goose Oh my
8: God! I'm roasting a Christmas goose. When the idea hit me, it sounded so festive, so retro in the hippest way so, well, Christmassy. Full disclosure, somehow in my 34 years as a professional cook, I have never attempted it. But how hard could it be? It was time for a test drive. My first attempt was awful. (laughs) I pricked the skin with a fork, seasoned the goose well with salt and pepper, rubbed it with lemon and garlic, and let it roast on medium-high heat in the oven. The result was a glorious amount of rendered goose fat in the bottom of the pan. I mean, it was great for sauteing and frying potatoes, but my goose was as previously advertised, fatty and tough. It was an epic fail. So, I turned to my mentor, pioneering chef Jonathan Waxman, for his secret.
13: So Bobby, you just have to get a good goose, that's it.
8: The perfect roast goose became my obsession. I consulted with Martha, Gordon, Wolfgang, and Emeril, on the internet, of course, to see if their recipes could help. Still, my results were, let's just say, not great. Not one for giving up, I called for one last goose. I preheated the oven to perfect goose roasting temperature, 375, perforated the skin with the utmost precision, seasoned the bird with a slew of flavorful aromatics and rested it on a roasting rack, ready for action. Here's hoping. A couple of hours later, the bird was on the table. I began to carve it, the aroma was amazing. I felt the Tom Brady-like touchdown celebration was a moment away. I called over my most trusted and honest confidants to taste and exclaim a goose victory. Each took a forkful of the luscious meat and golden skin, and with the timing of Olympic synchronized swimmers, they simultaneously walked away with their heads held low and their jaws working harder than the pistons in a car. Game over. There was only one thing left to do. Turkey, anyone? Merry Christmas.
4: I'm Charles Osgood. Please join us again next Sunday morning. Till then, I'll see you on the radio.
0: If you like CBS Sunday Morning with Jane Polly, you can listen early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.